0: Hi there, welcome to Stoke to Be Here, a podcast by Stella Tandem. Um, this podcast is set up as part of our preparation for a um, world record-breaking attempt to cycle around the world on tandem bicycle. So we're speaking to lots of people from the world of cycling endurance, and today I'm joined by Angela Walker, or Ange, who is also, also known as Velo L on her, her blog, um, who is um from the world of Audax cycling and and all sorts of bits and bobs really so yeah um hi Ange how are you doing? (laughs) I'm good thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic so you've you've been in cycling for quite a long while as far as I can see has it been something you've always done have you always ridden a bike since little or was there kind of a bit of a, a something that triggered it off as it were?
1: Um, well, I was quite a late start to riding a bike, actually. I, I don't think I learned to ride a bike until I were about 12, which for, for most kids, that's quite, quite old, isn't it? So then I learned how to ride a bike, um, and then I didn't ride a bike very much at all until I moved to London uh, after university, and I just found it one of the easiest ways to get around town. Um, so I guess really I started off as a bit of a utility cyclist, I mean, I'd always kind of cycled a little bit on and off, you know, through my teens Um, and a little bit when I was at uni, but not loads, really. Um, So I got into it in a bigger way when I when I moved to London and I needed to ride to work. Um, And then I started training with a triathlon club um mainly through for the swimming and the running and <laughs> not the cycling <laughs> the cycling bit was, was just the side
0: absolute... <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> the cycling was the bit that I had to do between the swim and the run and I just had to do it but I, I wasn't very good at it and I think that because I were a better runner than I was a um cyclist I kind of trained a lot to to run and didn't really train enough to cycle but you know I mean I I was okay but um My my running career kind of came to an end in my early 30s when I um, discovered that I had a back, um, a stress factor in my lower spine. It's quite a common condition. It's called spondylolisthesis. And about 10 percent of the population have it. But it means that you can't extend your back and you can't do um, anything that's really impactful so that that was running out of the window so for a long time I was I was a runner I used to do marathons all sorts of things and I had to knock that on the head so oh, um, no. <laughs> yeah it was a bit rubbish yeah <laughs> so um so I kind of had to embrace cycling more than as, as not just the thing in between the the, the the swim and the run or for cycling to work I actually had to think right well if I'm going to do any exercise that's Good for my back because when I'm cycling, I'm because you're leaning forward when you cycle, it really takes the pressure off the, the lower back that's, that doesn't want to extend. Um, so I am most comfortable now when I'm on a bike, it's like I, all I want to do is lean forward because that just makes my back feel so comfortable. <laughs> so, so I guess that's I kind of had to embrace cycling because I thought, right, this is going to be my thing now, this is going to be my sport, and um, I kind of I, I always kind of I'm not one to do things by halves, so if I'm going to ride, I'm going to ride.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I've had that said about me as well. So yeah, I know what you mean. So yeah, once you've once you've got into something, it's yeah, yeah. So
1: yeah, uh, so I guess it, it just started out as as club rides, and um, and then I kind of I found Audax quite late actually. I guess because I didn't really start cycling really seriously until my kind of mid to late thirties. Um, by that point, I'd kind of, you know, I dabbled, I had to go at time trials, things like that. And But I just found that I didn't have the speed really, but I still wanted to be able to kind of immerse myself in it. And so that, that that's how I kind of got the distance bug, I guess. And uh, and at the time, then when I moved to Sheffield, I um, and I started cycling a lot with Sheffield CTC. A lot of the guys there were really into Audax and I started doing that. And it just kind of escalated from there, really.
0: Yeah, fabulous. So and that's, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and did you find it kind of easy to get into the kind of Audax scene, the long distance scene? Was it, you know, did you find it kind of easy to join rides and things like that? Were they quite welcoming? Um,
1: yeah. 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 Very welcoming, really. Um, and I guess because Sheffield CTC organized some Audaxes as well. So I got to see both sides of it, like from, from the organizational helping out point of view as well as I always had somebody to go up to a ride with because somebody would generally, you know, going along. So I'd go along, too. But but you quickly realize it, it doesn't actually matter whether whether you go with anybody else or not, because yeah people will just talk to you won't they so so it's um yeah you can just turn up on your own and and uh, make some friends that way so
0: yeah and get involved can't you yeah yeah yeah. yeah. it's it's a similar experience that I've had and because we're Derbyshire based so we're, we're just a bit below you but yeah locally to us they've all been very welcoming and yeah it's it's a nice thing to to get involved in isn't it yeah and and then What what happened next? Because I I, you mentioned in your blog, it's like that you're kind of riding this kind of standard distance in Audax is two hundred kilometers. What happened? to kind of trigger the, <laughs> the whole next new level
1: yeah so that was like but back in I think it must have been about maybe 2014 or 2015 I went to do one of the 200s down at Alfreton. I think it might have been like Rosie's to rags or one of the early ones it's like yeah. in, in February and um, just got chatting to some people and they said oh you're doing it as a PBP qualifier and I was like oh what's that, you know? And so <laughs> they were like, well, you know, Paris best Paris. And I was like, no, I don't know anything about it. You know, tell me about it. And they're like, oh, right. Well, you know, and they explained what it was and what you had to do. And I was just like, oh, wow, you've got to do 200, 300, 400, and 600. Yeah, you know, I was like, oh, no, 200 is enough for me. And so I did my 200. And then I went home and I thought about it a bit. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I could have a go at doing this. So I looked into it, found out a bit more about it, discovered, you know, how you qualified. Um, and I thought, well, yeah, why not give it a go? Let, let's see what happens. So I found, then just spent ages trying to find loads of qualifiers that I could do. Um, and I did, I think I did Everybody Rides to Skeggy as my standard 300. Oh, that's a great one, yeah.
0: I've yeah. <laughs> <laughs> done that a few times.
1: And then for my 400, I... Um, I entered uh, one of Andy Corliss's. Um, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, unbeknown to me, I just thought, oh, yeah, that looks like a nice ride across the Dales. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it was a 400. It was a heartbeat 400 that I did. And uh, it's in May, isn't it? And it just it ended up being a really cold May. Mm. And it got the temperature... That night, you know, the gritters were out, and I was absolutely freezing. And I done—I mean, I was tired anyway because you know it's hilly, and I'd done about 250k. I was sort of on my way back, and I got into Richmond at about 11 o'clock, and I was freezing. I had every bit of clothing on, and I wasn't feeling brilliant. And I just thought, oh god, I don't know if I can do this. And um, I thought, no, I'll, I'll, I'll plug on. I'll carry on. And I got to Laban and I felt absolutely shocking about 300 K in I guess by the time you get to Laban and um I thought, well it's now or never because now it's midnight, there's going to be nothing open, and I knew that I had to go back over tops. I just thought I really don't know if I can do it. I'm I'm absolutely exhausted and I'm freezing cold. You know when you're so cold that you don't want to go fast downhill because the wind chill just yeah makes you feel really yeah. Cold.
0: Every time you go uphill, you're dreading the descent, aren't you? Because you just know it's yeah. going to strip away everything. It's awful, absolutely. isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, felt rubbish. And so I ended up running into a pub in Laban just after closing time. You know all the punters were coming out, and I burst through the door and I said to the landlady. Have you got any rooms? I'm desperate, and she's like, "Oh, yeah, we've we've got one. Do you want it?" I said, "Yeah, I'll have it. I'll take it." <laughs> and I just bailed there and then, and I sent Andy a message saying, "I'm really sorry. I'm absolutely worn out." And um, and that after that, I just thought, "Well, that's it. I've, I've not done a 400 I don't think I'm going to be able to to do this now." You know, yeah. um, and I kind of you know sulked a bit about it and then thought well hang on let's just see if I can find another 400 that I can do instead and I ended up doing oh, what did I do I think I did one out of my one of the phones out of my the flat one to spurn not quite spurn I was about to say
0: because some of those aren't <laughs> flat,
1: <either. laughs> that were a lot flat. Blunette,
0: ride- you didn't do the 240 did you yeah and
1: <laughs> so yeah and I managed that one and um and yeah, that was uh, so. I was back on track then, and I, I did my six hundred. I did uh, Windsor, Chester, Windsor as my six hundred, and then off to Paris. So yeah, that was my uh, that was my first super randonner and my first taste of Paris, breast Paris. You know, all in it, all in a year. I didn't do any pre qualifying rides or anything like that. So
0: when
1: wow. I got the bug then, then I thought, yeah, this is it. What what can I do next? Kind of thing. <laughs>
0: Yes, and Andy, call it. Yeah, we've experienced that they are notoriously hilly and grueling and scenic, shall we say? But yeah, that was it was a brave choice for a 400. Well, it was a naive choice, wasn't it? I
1: really didn't have a clue.
0: No, that's amazing. Though. Um and then obviously yeah it's a very quick route to pbp how did you how did you find it because you, you did amazingly well to to get in in the time with a few hours to spare even was it was it the toughest ride of your life or yes, or did absolutely. yeah absolutely <laughs> when, when i did that it, it
1: was the toughest thing i'd ever done yeah and um i rode it with my friend andy because we did a lot of the qualifiers together and um yeah again I think we didn't really know what we were in for so and you know for the first probably the first day we were just taking it quite easy and and you know thinking oh this is great it's great to just you know cycle along and because it's such a great atmosphere it's like a real kind of party atmosphere I guess isn't it and all the all the local people get so behind it and you know you've got little kids like clapping and high-fiving you midnight yeah, you literally get Aaron.
0: cheered on on the road yeah, don't yeah, you? Yeah. and people yeah, offer just... you coffee cake everything yeah. yeah it's
1: a brilliant atmosphere but then you know you get to breast and then you think oh god i've not got very long to get back <laughs> 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 i'm gonna crack on now and stop messing around and stopping for coffee in everybody's garden you know and just go for it so yeah it was um, yeah the return leg was uh, pretty hard work because we knew that we were just gonna have to knuckle down to to get on with it yeah. um and I guess really the the one of the most interesting things about about Audax for me w- was discovering just how far you can push yourself on not very much sleep.
0: Because yeah. you just
1: assume, don't you, oh God, I need eight hours a night. But actually it's amazing how how much fresher you can feel just after half an hour on the side of the road somewhere. Yeah, Ooh. if you can do
0: that mind trick where you convince yourself you've had enough sleep and you wake up and you pretend it's, you know, you've slept all night and it's the next day, it, it does make a... Yeah, you can yeah, flip yeah. the switch sometimes, can't you? So yeah. it, it certainly it certainly makes a big difference. Um, and then from, from Paris Best Paris PVP, you <laughs> obviously definitely got the bug by then because a few years later you entered the, the Transcon yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh wow goodness yeah and that's that's something that i've kind of you know you, you see the videos and you, you hear about um emily chapel uh, fiona colby all these these girls going out and doing it, and it sounds like just absolutely epic ride um so it's a, a massive feat in itself and I believe you you rode with your friend Julie as a pair didn't you because the entries to Transcon you either enter solo or you can enter as a pair um and you've been the first female pair to complete it I believe
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's we were talking because I, I see Julie regularly and we went for a ride um last week together and um sometimes we still say blimey we did that didn't we we did actually (laughs) we rode to Greece and we actually got there because just now it it feels like such a long time ago and with everything that's happening currently and not being able to go anywhere you just think oh wow to just be able to ride to Greece right now would be pretty amazing
0: (laughs) yeah definitely yeah and it's you know it's a completely epic ride isn't it and I think you know one of the kind of exceptional things was that you were riding as a pair so you, you have to stick together essentially don't you and it's got interesting parallels to to tandem riding I mean I, sp- oh. I suppose one for you could just ride off on your own bike but <laughs> you're still kind of in it together aren't you and I think that's yeah. kind of it's it's, a, it's almost a different skill set you need to be able to adapt to to another person and yeah, is that something but, you found along the way was it do you think it made it harder was it more challenging with the pros and um, cons
1: it has a, it's had, a, it has a different set of challenges to doing it solo. You know, both things are difficult, but um, it's really interesting because before we did it, um, a lot of people warned us against doing it because you know, even really? our respective partners both said. Well, you know, you're friends now, but you might absolutely hate each other by the time you finish. And lots of people told us stories about, oh, well, I did this really big walk with one of my friends and now we just don't speak to each other ever again, <laughs> you know. Oh. So so a lot of people kind of said, are you sure that you really want to do it as a pair? But, you know, we knew that we were really evenly matched cycling wise. So we were a really good fit. Um we both we were both going into it with our eyes open and we both felt exactly the same about it which was we just wanted to finish we 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 didn't mind what time we did we you know we just wanted to to get to greece and if we were out of town time, time that didn't matter either um, it it was all about the journey for us and doing it together and we we had all the talks about what what we would do if one of us couldn't complete would we want the other one to continue um, and we were both happy that if the other person wanted to, you know, we had a strategy, so we'd what would happen if one of us fell ill for like a day or something like that, then we would stay and be, we would stay together. Um, and if then something happened that would then mean that one of us couldn't continue, then we'd have that chat then. But, but both of us had already decided that we both felt it would be okay for the other one to continue as a solo providing that the one that couldn't continue was safe and and happy about that. So you've got to kind of talk about all these things in advance um, so that there are kind of no surprises when you're out on the road. Um, I think the most interesting thing about being a pair is you've you've got to commit to it 100% because you are a unit and you've got to think like a unit and you've got to do everything together you can't always be riding at the same pace all of the time because one of you gets tired when the other one might feel strong. So you've just got to take that into account and think, Oh, okay, today I'm having a good day and Julie's having a bad day, but tomorrow I might be having a bad day and Julie might be having a good day. And you've just got to kind of um, get over that and not get frustrated and just accept that you are only ever going to be as fast as the slowest rider and be comfortable with that because because otherwise you're just going to stress yourself out and there's no point you've just got to really think completely like a unit really
0: yeah and I think you know I completely agree I think it is a whole new level of charity it's certainly a skill to have and I think it shows your kind of skills and, and that you've already got from endurance rides did you do many kind of long rides with her beforehand did you both kind of know how you uh, like to to ride on kind of longer rides because, uh, you know, it's it's something with me and Stewie, obviously, we're quite aware even when we ride, ride solos of our pacing and how light, long we like to stop for and kind of even to the point where we know when each one of us is going to dip during the, the kind of night time as well and, yeah. and we'll need keeping awake.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we did like a full SR series together um and we went away on a couple of um weekends where we just... We knew probably from from doing the training that that we, as, even though we would like to have cycled about two hundred and fifty kilometers a day, we knew that it was probably going to be a little bit more like two hundred and twenty. Um, so once we'd kind of got our edge around that, and we we figured out that we could probably do it in about fifteen days, um, we knew we knew how we had to, you know, how fast we had to cycle. Uh, we got our eating strategy right. We got our, you know, the luggage. You know, we made sure that we knew exactly what we were going to take. So we had lots of kind of dry runs over long weekends and, and odd axes and things like that. So we were kind of fully practised by the time we were actually on the start line. Um, but you never really know what's going to happen once you're out there. So <laughs> right, you right. to kind of be prepared to just wing it when things go completely not to plan as well because that's just bound to happen that's that's part of how it is you know your perfect route that you thought you'd absolutely nail down um <laughs> yeah you just end up being a dead end in the middle of a forest and thinking, all oh, right what we're going to do now then um but the other thing that we did was um we planned the route together so every i used to get tuesday mornings off work so every tuesday morning for probably the Almost the the whole of the year. Once we'd realised that we'd got a place, that was like route planning time, and we met up and we did it completely together, so that it just took the pressure off then, because we knew that we were both responsible for the route. There There weren't any days where I'd just done it or Julie had just done it, because we didn't want to get those situations where, when you're tired and resentment builds up, we say, "Well, I didn't design this route, you did," and you know, we we didn't want any of that bickering or anything, so. So we did it all a hundred percent together and then it were both our faults. If we went wrong, it was both our faults. So, you know, yeah, and it's a really,
0: really good point, isn't it? And yeah. um, when we rode Lands End to John Greats last year, it was it was mostly my route planning, but I had to go. You know, Steve did lots of other bits and bobs, but I had to go to him. Look, you know, if you don't like it, <laughs> you you're welcome to have a crack. So if I'm going to do it, yeah. that's it. You need to accept what's planned. And we yeah, made a few yeah. changes along the way, but it's yeah, it's it's a really kind of valid point, isn't it? That yeah. getting both people involved is. Um, it kind of mitigates a lot of that kind of problems you can, you can get along the way. So yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's really interesting. And it is, it is a completely different dynamic, I think, to cycling with somebody else. Mm. So yeah, it's, um, some really interesting insights there. Um, and then kind of following on from all of this, you've now been kind of involved in kind of organizing your, your own events and rides and probably the the biggest one would be all points North, Um, Can you tell us kind of basically what that is and how it works? Um, Just as a a kind of an overview.
1: Yeah, so um, it's a ride around the north of England, starts and finishes in Sheffield. And there are 10 checkpoints dotted all around the north um, that riders have to get to. There is no time limit, but we do have a finishers' party um, three days, well, 72 hours after the riders have started. Um, So uh, I guess people try to get back for the finishers party, but you absolutely don't have to. Um, So you can take it it, it in your own time if you want to. Um, We did the first one in 2019 and we had plans to do another one last year, but of course that unfortunately uh, didn't happen. And we are hoping that this year's will be able to go ahead. But we're still being really tentative about it. So, um, a lot of the people who had an entry to last year's deferred their place to this year. It was supposed to take part in May because we like to run it on the uh, last bank holiday in May. And the reason for that is that um, a lot of people want to do a shorter ride before they go off and do something big in the summer, like transatlantic way or TCR or something like that. And it gives people a smaller, you know, an opportunity to do a smaller ride. um, just to see what it's like, make sure they've got their kit sorted out and all those kind of things before they go on to do something bigger. So May seemed like a really good time in the events calendar to do it. Um, but of course, we're a little bit nervous about May. Yeah. So um, we've moved it to September this year. So hopefully, if it runs, because we are still being very, very cautious about it, it'll start on the 4th of September. And we are really hoping that we can do it. Um, but... It's, it's such a big undertaking for, for, to to do something like that because you've got to make sure that you've got all your, your haul sorted out and um, we, we, we order in things like gazebos and food and all those kind of things. And it's quite a lot of money to outlay if you don't know that you're actually going to be able to run the event. So yeah, we've still
0: not made any absolutely final yeah. decisions at the minute. Which is, is definitely fair enough, but I'll certainly be keeping a watch to, to see how things pan out with that. yeah, hopefully if not this year, next year, it'll certainly yeah. come around again. Um and from, from the kind of inaugural old, old year of, of running it, it, were those the sort of people that were entering it, were they people that were looking at doing kind of the bigger rides or was it a bit of a mix? And and what do you who did you kind of see being successful in that kind of ride? What what do you think made people kind of a you know strong contender for getting around and and getting you know getting back in good time
1: Mm. well really our main aim when we set it up was that we wanted to be able to give people an opportunity to do something like that without having to go abroad to do it um and we tried to keep the price the cost of it under a hundred pounds as well so we it, a really big focus of it was to try to make it ac- as accessible as possible to people, because I think the, the world of ultra distance cycling can seem a little bit out of reach for some people, because, you know, you have to go, uh, uh, you know, somewhere else to do it. And it costs a lot of money and you need loads and loads of kit. So we thought, well, the kit side of things, we can't do very much about that. But what what can we do to try to give people that kind of experience? without having to travel far away and without having to spend a lot of money on a, on a race entry. Um, so, and we got a real mix of people applying for the first one. So we got, um, we got people who had already done TCR. And we, then we got people who had got a place in TCR, but they'd never done it before. Um, and from a lot of the other ultra events as well. But then we got people who had never had to go at anything like that before. And they were just really keen. And we're an application process so we set up a series of questions for people to answer um, so that they so that we could make sure that we knew that they had a full understanding of what they're letting themselves in for because it is unsupported you know once you leave Sheffield that's it you're completely on your own um and some of the places that we send people to are quite remote uh, and you're also completely in charge of your own route it's, it's up to you how you get there um and you're not allowed to take any outside help so, and you can't, you know, you can't phone your mum up to, to bring you an extra jumper of you <laughs> cold halfway around, you know, it's like you are completely on your own. And so we asked people a series of questions on the application form to make sure that they really got that and that they understood it. And, um, and yeah, we got, we did get a really good mix of people. And we, obviously, we're, we're choosing how many people can take part so in the first year that we ran it, we had, did we have? 60 places. We've got 80 now, um, which is uh, 60 solos and 10 pairs. Um, And uh, yeah, so yeah, we tried to make sure that we had a good mix of people so that when riders came together, they'd have a really interesting experience with one another. Because I think one of the key things about ultra racing and Audax is that you learn a lot from other riders so we made sure that we had a good balance of people who'd done things like that before along with people who just really wanted to have a go and they kind of got got the they had the right kind of mentality for it I guess um and some of those that kind of rider interaction before and after sometimes well that's the nicest part of the event for us and I think people really appreciated that as well you know you could people we're really keen to talk to the people who had done well, uh, you know, and and get more tips and advice and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. And in terms of people who uh, do well out of it, I think, uh, well, it's the same kind of people that do well in, in all kind of long distance events. And it's, you know, you can be, you can be kind of physically prepped to the max, but if you've kind of not got it, right in your head then um you know the the kind of the mental toughness I think is 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 as important as the physical stamina if not maybe more important in some respects you know because you are going to get to a point where you feel rubbish and you just want to go home but um you've got to figure out a way to get through that and uh I think and just keep going and just tell yourself to carry on and so I guess that they are kind of the the, the people who are always going to going to do well in events like that. Yeah,
0: and that's that's the... Interesting part of the challenger, and it's how you get your head around those situations, isn't it? And yeah, you can be as fit as you like sometimes, but yeah, if it's you know you're really up against the wall, and you're absolutely knackered. It's it's trying to see your way through that, and I always find it's it's amazing how it comes around again. Sometimes you can you know be absolutely shattered and think you're at wit's end, and if you manage to keep on going for a few hours, sometimes you you get it back again. I think oh, what was I worried about? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's amazing how you can feel terrible can't you absolutely terrible you just think i just need this to end now and then you can just turn a corner and maybe you'll see a lovely view or you'll just you know something will just happen and your mood will lift and you think wow i feel amazing now it's just you know so nothing is ever permanent is it and i think remembering that is a really important lesson to learn that if you feel rubbish now you're probably not going to feel rubbish soon and you might feel rubbish for ages but you're never going to feel rubbish forever
0: so. yeah definitely it's one of um, stevie's sayings too is it's, it's all temporary uh, yeah. he usually <laughs> says it at the worst time and i just want to punch him in the face but he is he is usually right he is usually right <laughs> it's all temporary <laughs> so, fantastic um so i wanted to hear a bit as well about um a different gear which is your not-for-profit kind of business as, as it were too um and there's all sorts of bits and bobs going on with that so can you kind of explain all that in a nutshell too? Yeah
1: so it's definitely not my business. (laughs) (laughs) I am really fortunate um to work for um a charitable trust called Healy Development Trust and it's working for those guys that's kind of enabled me to be able to put on All Points North. Um yeah, so Hilly Development Trust, they do lots of things um, in the South Sheffield area, but one of their real areas of expertise is cycling and active travel projects. And we used to uh, run a bike recycling workshop called Recycle Bikes, but a couple of years ago, we managed to get some funding to do up our workshop and turn it into um, a proper shop, I guess, really, um, but we've got ten trustees, so we are totally community owned, and we employ uh, people from the local area, and so and we're all really into cycling, and um, it, it's so it's really nice to be able to um, run a bike shop that's that's able to do lots of other things as well. So we do, you know, we are really community focused. We we run some um, contracts for the council to get more people cycling. So we're into cycling at all levels, really, it's, you know, from just getting people started and getting people on a bike. We still do all the bike recycling. So if people can't afford a new bike, then we make sure that they've got a fully serviced, good quality working secondhand bike. Um, we work in partnership with... Um, a local organisation in Sheffield called Pedal Ready, which offers free cycle training to people. So, yeah, we just want to get loads of people on bikes, really, whether that's just riding to the shop to pick up a pint of milk or riding across Europe, it doesn't matter. It's just all people on bikes, and that's what's kind of important to us. And it's really important to the trust as well. So, yeah, it's it's a good place to work.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's, it sounds absolutely amazing because, yeah, we're talking about all these big, exciting events, but everybody starts somewhere, and I think, you know, it's – it's just facilitating that sometimes it's it's never really too old to start and we've both you know got into the long distance cycling scene very much in our adulthood and it's um yeah and it's kind of grown from there so sometimes it's just giving people that foot in the door or that helping hand or as you say just you know helping them fix up a bike get on a bike or just a bit of tuition so I think it's a it's a really amazing thing you know, to, to be involved in um and yeah it's it's obviously got a lot of a lot of benefits to it as well and you know I did notice from your blog you say I'm Ange and I spend a lot of time riding my bike and I think it's I'm um, you know similar to it's um i suspect you're similar to me that you know if you're confident and you've you've got the right kit or the right bags and bits and bobs like that go, you, going to the shops going running errands just transporting yourself about becomes instinctive on a bike doesn't it and yeah, it becomes your your main mode of transport yeah
1: well for me it is i my car car failed its mot 10 years ago and i got rid of it and i've never bought a new one so yeah it's just me and my bike really
0: <laughs> Yeah, it, it it definitely makes a difference. And, you know, I, I was going to say, how do you fit your full time job around all this cycling? But uh, I suspect that's it, isn't it? You know, when you, your bike's your, your main mode of transport, that is that's how you do it <laughs> and it, you yeah know. yeah pretty much yeah if I need
1: to you know if I need to do a little bit of training I just get up an hour earlier and add an extra hour onto my commute you know which I've only got a short commute it's only about three kilometers
0: but you know I've got
1: old Peter district to have a go at so I can just get up early and do that before
0: I come to work on a morning yeah, and um, yeah, as things open up more and more, hopefully we'll be able to to go further and further as well, won't we? So yeah, oh well, yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll that for sure, <laughs> definitely. Um, so just to finish off as well, I have got some tandem trivia questions for you. <laughs> None of them are too bad. Um, so have you have you ever ridden a tandem?
1: Oh, once. <laughs> but literally, round the block, I'm too much of a control freak to ride a tandem. <laughs> like we, we sometimes get them into any of it at work. And um, so, I, yeah, one of my colleagues, Carlos, I, he went on the front and I went on the back and he's just like, I am never taking you <laughs> on a tandem again. <laughs>
0: it is a thoroughly disconcerting experience sitting on the back isn't it and yeah I must admit it was, having been a solo rider the first time I got on the, the, the back with Steve and it was just yeah terrifying
1: well front or back it both bothers me because on the back I've just I've got no control and then on the front it's like oh my god now I'm responsible for somebody else as well <laughs>
0: Blows my mind so just to put it out there and and if you were to ever consider riding riding a tandem um who would you have on a tandem as your like dream partner if it could be anybody alive or dead if you could go on a tandem with somebody who would you who would you choose gosh i don't know God, that's that's a a (laughs) difficult one um wow
1: well it'd have to be somebody that I really trusted obviously if I did go on the back which I probably would I guess um well in all honesty it would be my partner Ken because yeah. I totally trust him I'm still never going to get on a tandem with him <laughs>
0: but yeah, we won't hold you to this <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah because he's a good cyclist and he's a safe pair of arms and he he never loses his cool and um
0: He's, he's been on a tandem with lots of other people, but just not with me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, it's a whole new level, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Um, and when we often say we're kind of joined by the frame um, on the, on the tandem, <laughs> but, um, when you are on these long distance rides, is there anything you are kind of joined by the frame to? Is there anything you can't live without? Be it you know a certain snack, a tool, a you know something you take along with you on all your kind of bigger rides is a they're kind of a almost a guilty pleasure or something like that gosh that's a tough one something i always
1: take uh well i always take plenty of food that, that's a given yeah I don't, I don't know i've always got food i've always got spare emergency something Um, And if I don't have an emergency something, then I have to quickly go and replenish. So (laughs) so I guess food would be the thing, you know, because you can't, if you don't fuel, you can't do anything, can you? So yeah, an emergency baguette tucked away somewhere. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And what's your go-to snack, as it were? Um, I assume being long distance, you're not into the gels and the... No, no, proper food. Proper food, definitely. Yeah, yeah. when I were
1: training, um, well, I I'm still do on long rides. I, I, I have uh, bagels with peanut butter and jam. Oh, that's a good one. A little bits, little quarters, and I put them in my uh, top tube bag. Then I can just take a quarter out at a time, and um, I always toast them. But they, they, they still. It's amazing how how long you can have a bagel in your bag <laughs> yes, <I> <laughs> even after it's been toasted it's you know good good, good for 24 hours at least oh right? at
0: least definitely yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah generally if I'm doing something you know really long and I'm just having to pick food up as I go then I just tend to stick to like really boring what 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 we call beige food you know yeah <laughs> Just want nothing that's going to make you feel ill, nothing that's going to give you a massive spike. So, just yeah, baguettes cheese sandwich that kind of thing you know it's um yeah, yeah if it's beige, just, then it's
0: generally going to be yeah, all right <laughs> yeah i must admit we go down it's peanut butter and honey for us but ah right yeah yeah but it tends to be sandwiches because steve doesn't like the bagels he finds the hole in the middle too pointless but uh,
1: yeah but <laughs> maybe you them into quarters i know so maybe <laughs> that's <laughs> it maybe if i
0: quarter them i'll get away with it i might try that on our next <laughs> ride and see what he says <laughs> <laughs> amazing um so <laughs> one last question um why should we ride around the world on tandem bicycle together
1: Cool. well why shouldn't you, you know, <laughs> I mean, wow it's just gonna be an amazing experience um I think you two probably know one another well enough now to know that you can do it don't you so <laughs> or you know at least tolerate one another for that amount of time
0: um and it's just well it, it's yeah why not do it Oh, that's amazing <laughs> and thank you so so much you've been been tremendous it's been great chatting to you and hopefully yeah as things open up more i will um, bump into your on a ride sometime yeah. soon <laughs>